You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to The Human Condition. I'm Vince Orlando. I'm Sean Davis. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing today? I'm fantastic. Been self-caring all over myself. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, as always, we'll, we'll jump right into the topic. Um, self-care. Um, seems pretty self-explanatory, right? Taking care of yourself. But it's not. It's not. It, it's, it's a – the words are often misconstrued, especially in a codependent world. Primarily, we're – we're raised egocentrically, right? As children, we need people to take care of us. Um, yeah, there goes the ums. The world centers on us, and then we 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 turn into adults. We mature, at least theoretically, and rather than get into a state of interdependence, it's almost as if we're kept in this state of of codependence, where if we're not extremely needy. In the environment that surrounds us, we're far too giving, right? We're far too giving. We call ourselves people pleasers. I remember I used to use that as a as a term of endearment towards myself. Oh, I'll do this for this person way before I'll ever do it for myself. Right. And there, there's some virtue in that depending on the place where it comes from. Is it coming from ego? Is it coming from the higher self? And self-care simply means – and I, I learned this in uh, – it was in PTSD therapy, CPT, and there's three ways you can be as a human being. You can be selfish. We know that's bad, right? You can be self-full, which is that's, – that's the medium. That's where you want to be. Or you can be selfless. Selfless is bad, even though society teaches us that to give, give, give. Give all of your time for this job. Give all of your time for those those A's. Give all of your time for this, that, and the other thing to where there's nothing left for you and you deteriorate from the inside out. Now you're on meds. Now you, we, I, we don't need to go into what we know is, is prevalent in American society at least. I, I can't attest to other countries. But at least the ones we consider civilized, this is this is a thing. You're 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 – you're molded to either be selfless or selfish, one or the other, without that middle ground. We need to look at just how a lot of people are. We're working 40, 50 hours a week. If you have children, you also might be caring for a parent Absolutely. or a family member, and all of a sudden... There's not a lot of time in the day. No, you got not a lot of time Everyone's in the week. The we all got the same, right? 24 hours, seven right. days a week. And so sometimes I can get into this rhythm of being selfless and being given and to the point where I'm no I'm I'm almost neglecting myself. I'm neglecting okay. myself spiritually. I'm not being spiritually fed. Or I'm not, I'm not experiencing joy. You know, I, I have had countless times where I've gotten into this rhythm where I'm doing the recovery thing. I'm sponsoring a ton of guys. I'm working 40, 50 hours a week. And I, I let myself go. 
I, I, I get swept up in my purpose where I'm not experiencing any joy. And, so then, I don't, and I don't notice. I'll notice it because I'll feel like I'm just grinding. You know, that's the American way. Let's just, that is the let's just, just way. I'm program. I'm, I'm grinder. You know, I can hustle. Detroit hustles harder. Mm-hmm. All these things. But I'll tell you, if you go long periods of time without taking care of yourself, resentment starts to infiltrate my spiritual makeup. How could it not? It, it has to. And we are conditioned that way. And you really have to ask yourself, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, t- today actually, on, on motivation. So when I'm, any action that I take to where my conscious, con- well, my conscience steps in and says, makes me question the action, which I'm always doing, right? Because that's part of recovering spiritually is, is you're, you're constantly analyzing, I am anyway, I believe you do the same where you're, you're like, okay, well, why did I think that way? Why when that person, we always use the example of cutting me off. Why did I say fuck off to that? And you catch yourself and you have to ask yourself those questions. But if you really have to look, is it coming from the ego or is it coming from the realm of the higher self? So selflessness now, and this is an extreme example, but there's the people that say, I'll take a bullet for that person. Would I take a bullet for my kids? Sure. I'd rather live for them. You know what I mean? But but even in that, which I think is a common thread for parents that love their children, which I I would have to say is is the prevailing factor for parents that do care for their children, no matter how dysfunctional. But I I think you you even have to examine that statement and say, okay, so would I take the bullet for my kids? Unless kids should not be in front of bullets, by the way. But um. But would would I take the bullet for my kid because I couldn't possibly live with myself if I didn't step in front of that? Or is it is it a, a purposeful? Is it is it something that is it a compassion that I'm attached to in terms of you know we talked about compassion being the prevailing force in the universe? Is it that drive, or is it you know it, you really have to ask yourself. Would I push my kid out of the way of a car speeding down the street? Now, why? Yes, I would. Why would I do that? Because I couldn't live with the guilt of not doing that? Or just because I love so much that that I would be driven without thinking about it? That's the purpose you speak of. A lot of times we get lost in the purpose that we manufacture for ourselves. And a lot of yeah, times the purpose yeah. that we manufacture for ourselves is really to offset some deep seat, deep-seated pain that we haven't really dealt with yet. And we get lost, and like you said, you lose yourself, and then it beca- then it becomes it's not it's not selfish, it it's uh it's codependence. This is codependence. I mean that that really is what this is. It's it's codependence. We're we're an attachment, right? And you're gonna have to in life. Healthy boundaries are something so important. Important. Not taught mm. very wide. It's it's not a widespread teaching. Healthy boundaries. Absolutely healthy boundaries not. with people. Healthy boundaries with my purpose. Allowing myself time to just sit and reflect, regroup. You know, when I owned my own business, I owned this. Uh, I was restoring aluminum wheels, and I 
when you're self-employed, you know how it goes. I'm up at 7 a.m. and I'm going to crush it 7 p.m. sometimes. And I found myself wearing, wearing thin after a while because I was grinding and I wanted to make a name for my business and I wanted to be out there and I, I wanted clientele and I, you know, there were things and goals that I had set for myself in my mind, but I started to do things for myself. Like I would take myself to a baseball game, you know, I would go, I would go just buy a, a you know, go right before the game start, go on StubHub and buy a skyline ticket over at Tiger over at Comerica and I would just watch a baseball game and smash a bunch of food and just enjoy the presence of me watching a baseball game mm-hmm. and watching the Detroit skyline, watching the sun come down over the city and regrouping. And I would do it on a Wednesday sometimes. Sometimes I do it on a Friday. Another thing is, is I, someone once told me, you need to learn how to treat yourself. And I was like, what do you mean? When's the last time you took yourself out to dinner? I was like, mm, I don't know about that. They're like, go take yourself out to dinner. Because we are quick to take someone else out to dinner, right. aren't we? You know? Right. And I was like, all right. And the first thing they said is, where are you thinking about taking yourself? And I was like, uh, you know, my first reaction is like some podunk Coney Island <laughs> and I'm going to smash some Coney's and they're like, no, 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 treat yourself good. And so I would always develop this habit of taking myself to red coat, yeah, you know, yeah, that's and, and I would smash one of those. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I would watch, <laughs> you know, whatever sporting event was on the, the television and I was able to feel something inside you know if if you're so wrapped up and, and it's hard in today's society because there's just massive amounts of bills there's a bill for everything today you know there is a bill for everything well there's and, a massive amount of shaming too right if you if you don't live by this this societal societal guidelines right. that grind it out you know, your credit score needs to be this. Your bills need to be paid like this. You need this picket fence. You need this. You need this. You need this. We attach ourselves to that, and then we lose ourselves. My and when in- we achieve them, we're still lost. My insides, you know, it's about matching insides and outsides. <laughs> but the thing is, I don't match my insides with the material. I don't. I, I, I never gave a shit about the material. It just doesn't matter. You know, I don't I don't need to have a four-bedroom house in Royal Oak and the newest car in the driveway and then be financially burdened and then have my self-care go down the tubes because I'm trying You're to meet. You're attached to these bills. Because I'm meeting all these obligations financially, you know, working two or three jobs. I know some people working two or three jobs just to make sure they're surviving. So they can survive. Right. Yeah. And these people need to understand what it means to set healthy boundaries, to take yourself out. That in the grind of all the things, the two, the three, the four jobs you're working, you still have to make the time for yourself. You still have to make time for your spiritual well-being. Because if you just let it all go, you're going to run yourself down. And then those around you 
you know, aren't getting the love and compassion that you have to offer them. They just see someone grinding all the time. Well, you become a target for codependence. I mean, that, and that's the thing. That's the pinnacle of humanity, right? Because we are dualistic. Sure, we're spiritual beings having a human experience, but we're having this human experience. We exist in the realm of phenomena, and to deny that is ridiculous. Christ even said, I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. So, yes, we're in this world, right? So we have to pay attention to we have to pay attention to the primary piece of, of all of that, and that's us. That's us. We're we're each these individual individualized manifestations of whatever you want to call the divine, the Almighty God, whatever you want to call that. Even from a scientific perspective, we're we're unique. We're unique, even though we're all one. At least that's, you know, I think we agree on that belief system, but we're unique and we're special. You know, you'll talk to some people that are completely atheists, for example, and they'll talk the real nihilistic in that we don't matter and this is just all for nothing. Well, you haven't been paying attention, man, because there's some beautiful things that are happening, right? And if we don't believe that there's purpose... Well, why would we pay attention to ourselves? Why wouldn't why wouldn't we set our goals on the material if that's all there is? That's that's what you do, you know. And the problem, the, the reason why so many people are conflicted, and this is what the the, the core of my book uh, memoirs is about. I had dreams manufactured for me; those weren't my dreams. It was cool to go out and be an actor and do that thing, and I still do it, but I do it on my terms now. I didn't, I, I didn't even know. So I came back from LA and, uh, and I really didn't know what family was. I have family and they're there and we're, we love each other and you know, the family that is functional still. Right. But I didn't know what it was to commune with family in a family like way. So I, I come back from LA one time and I think my, my niece was, uh, she might've been five at this time, four or five. And she said something. She said words. I can't even remember what the words were. And I looked at my brother. I'm like, fuck, they talk at that age? And I like, I always go back to that. I always go back. I was serious. Yeah. Like, kind of joking, but kind of not. And I, I would come back, and I didn't know her name. I didn't know my niece's name for a long time. That's how lost I was. I have to achieve this, or I'm not worthy of anything. My self-worth was put completely out there. How can you self-care if your self has no value? And that's, but try to tell me, this guy who had achieved this, I got myself out of poverty. I got, I lived the baller lifestyle. I, you know, I was rubbing elbows with whoever, right? None of it's important now. But I try telling that guy that you don't care about yourself. Fuck you. I don't care about myself. Look at this, 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 and this. I care. It, it, uh, tell, try telling me I got a low self-esteem. Fuck you. My low self-esteem. Kiss my ass. I got this, 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 and this. I didn't even realize how empty I was. You I had didn't no know. idea. You didn't know. No, I was blinders. But I think that's common when we're younger. Well, I wish it was only younger. You know what I mean? It's common in older people, too. You do grow. You're correct. But it was, I don't know, maybe I was always very mission oriented. 
you know, like, got to get that degree. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, through certain circumstances, it didn't matter whether I had a degree or not, you know, but I didn't know how to enjoy life. And I still sometimes, I'm, I'm still learning this. Yeah, me too. You know, it's a constant, it is a constant, it's not even a struggle. I'm constantly seeking ways to enjoy life and understand that time can't be replaced. So if I'm going to grind three or four jobs, you know, what's the value of that? What's the value? What's the value? So you taking yourself out to a baseball game, there's value there. There is you, value. You've, you've gone someplace and you're, you're spending that time with yourself. And even if you spend it with somebody you love or whatever, you've, you've made that move. It's completely different from binge watching Netflix to where it becomes an addictive, compulsive type thing because we can easily trick ourselves into saying, well, I deserve this. Maybe you do, but what are you neglecting now? Going to a game for three hours, that's taking yourself out. There, there's a, we, we have to be real conscious of, so when we get into self-care, you know, the, the, the line is so fine from selfish to selfless. You know what I mean? There's, it, 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 it's all about balance. And I think that's why I still neglect self-care. I still do it. Uh, not as much, not nearly as much. But for me to act on self-care, I really have to check myself. Sometimes to the point of because I feel like an asshole if I if I don't give everything I have to whoever's requesting it at whatever given time, there's this hint of guilt that comes up in me. I know it's not real. I've worked through that, right? But it's still there. No, no, you have to give your time. It's been requested. You have to give your time. Turn off the phone. I mean, that's that's the turn off the phone is a perfect example. And it'll rattle me still self-care. I, you know, when I see you posting with your kids, you know, you got all the kids together, wherever it is, having a great time, you know, that's like, man, my phone stays in the car. Well, there's a reason for that. (laughs) There's a means to an end there. Yeah. Yeah, There there really is. But I I know what you're saying. You you have to pay attention. But there there is a reason. To be present. Yeah. To be present and show up for life. Yeah. Yeah. I see so many people out in society, and this is wherever I go, people just walk with that phone in front of their face everywhere, everywhere, gas station, grocery store. Like, it's just like zombies well, there, there, with the phone. There's where you have to evaluate. What are you doing this for? So I come from – the neighborhood's pretty rough, and – the 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 place that I came from prior to that even rougher. The things that I've done, the places I've seen, shouldn't I? I don't fit that mold, right? Like I, I've I've broken through that. I'm an outlier in that regard. So, and I, I have a tendency toward addiction with this thing. It, it is it is a. So I have to discipline myself to not get caught up in that. And I always have to check myself. Well, what are you posting for? Because it matters, right? There, there's a book coming out. There's this that we're doing. There's things that matter. Yeah. But there's also people from the neighborhood who don't know they can experience life in the way that I have. And I have a lot left to go. I'm nowhere near 
and that's the journey, right? You continuously, when you get into a mode of self-care, you're continuously building yourself and building yourself. So part of, and I'm not defending myself, I'm just saying this is where we evaluate what the hell are we doing it for? Is it for attention? That's bad. Are you doing it for attention? So when we do, we do this event called Gobble Gobble Give where we feed the homeless, we need thousands of people down there to be able to accomplish the goal that we got to post it. Right. But then I see there's some people that I know even associated with that, that thing. That's for attention, man. That's for attention. You're wanting people to pat you on your back and, and sympathize with. So there's a difference. There's a big difference. Because I think this is an extremely powerful tool, and the fact that we can do this and speak to as many people as we can on a biweekly basis about things that matter to us, that's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. This, to me, this thing that we're doing here, this is self-care. It's great that people tune in and they have ideas and maybe they get inspired, maybe they can't stand what we say. But at the end of the day, sitting across from you for an hour and, and just really blocking everything out, phone included – it's extremely important to me that self-care. So I have to exercise. It would be easy for either me or you to push this off, right? Say, well, I got this other thing going on, you know, push it to the back burner because we're not, we don't make money off this. We're just doing it because we love doing it. So we could easily minimize this, which I would have done five years ago. I would, I would have, number one, we couldn't have started because I would have been like, okay, we got to go raise $500,000 so we can get this camera here, this camera there, this never right. in a million years would my ego have allowed for something this raw to happen. So this would, for us to do it and, and it's just divine order that, you know, we came into contact in the way that we did and we made that move and said to hell with it, we're doing it. Um, you believe in shifting consciousness, shifting consciousness, whenever the opportunity presents itself, right? Whenever it, and it's always presenting itself. Now it's, I, well, I told you the story about the, when I dropped the box on the lady's head, at the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the groceries, she was pissed, man. She wanted to kill me, but, uh, but I had, the, so, so now I'll tell the story for, because it, it's, it's funny, but it's, it was also a moment that could have been made insignificant, that I could have walked away from, that I could have ducked. So I'm shopping, and I go to reach up for some fig bars. And it's funny now because nobody got hurt, but go to reach up for some fig bars. This lady's bending down in her uh, cart. Her daughter's right there. And I accidentally drop a box on her head, kind of on her head, but it knocked her glasses off while she was bending down. And I'm extremely apologetic. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She's like, what the fuck, man? She starts going off. I'm like, so my poor little ego goes into, she's mean to me. You know, that's what's going on yeah. in my, I don't owe her an apology anymore. So I got cocky. Like, hold on. You know, you, what do you want me to buy you some glasses? Went into asshole mode. And uh, she just kept firing off. I was like, you have a nice day. You know what I mean? And I, and I segued out of the situation. And that would have been the end of it. Maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago. Maybe it could be the end of it tomorrow if I don't catch myself. But as I'm walking away, I get this feeling to where I don't even want to. Now she owns this section of the store where I'm grocery shopping. I don't even want to go in there. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? So self-care to me, <clears throat> my my misconstruing self-care years ago would have been get out. Get out of the situation, exit as quick as humanly possible. 
But rather than do that, I evaluated myself. Why? Why? Why am I trying to exit this situation? She had the right to be angry. Did she overreact? Sure. But, you know, you have the right to be angry. Why should I let that minimize me as a human being? All this work I've done and I'm going to segue out of the situation and not be a man about the shit. So I went back to her tail between my legs. My ego doesn't – your ego doesn't like that. When the tail goes between the legs and you have to apologize knowing that they're going to fire off on you again and you're going to have to deal with that. But who – when do we – you know, when – this was truly self-care because you're minimizing the ego in that situation. I apologize and it turned out okay. Gave her my number, said, look, you look up the glasses. I'll buy you new glasses. Really sorry. You know, her daughter was standing right there. I didn't want to leave the situation like that either. So every opportunity that I get now, I will use it for growth. That's a little nothing situation, right? That would have been a little to, – to me, to the world at large, to even that woman. Or maybe it changed something in her. I don't know. But it could have been minimized. Could have been minimized as a nothing thing that you just walk away from. And now I don't have to feel that. You know, it's funny that you say that. This week uh, I had a little – Man, there was like a road rage incident, and uh, you know, um, I left. I, I worked. I do this group in the morning, and I just wanted. I, I had to cut across from like Westland over to Livonia, and I'm going down Farmington, and I, I just want to get to this hamburger joint. I had been daydreaming about the hamburgers <laughs> all morning long. I'm starving, completely starving, and I'm. I made a mistake, you know. There was a truck like right in front of me going super slow, traffic, all this, and I didn't see this guy come up on me. And I go over to the right lane. I didn't see him. It was pretty close. It was a close call. I'll admit it was a close call. So he kind of swerves and he rolls like he speeds up and just starts leaning into me, starts screaming, honking his horn, all this stuff. How quickly we slip in those situations. So we get up to the light and like I'm hot. And the first thing out of my mouth, like he rolls down the window and I roll down the window. And I'm like, look, man, I made a fucking mistake. (laughs) And he just was like, you hit me. I was like, for real? He's like, you hit me. I was like, pull over. You know, and I, 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 I point the finger over towards the parking lot. And I get out and I'm like, look, man, I, I apologize. I was like, I, I know I cut over. I was like, I'm just trying to get to the hamburger joint. You know, Bates is real popular and everything. I know Bates. I was like, I don't know, man. You was honking and everything and screaming. I was like, I didn't know if you had a gun or what. He's like, no, nah, man, I, you know. And we look at my car and I look at his car and I was like, if I hit you, man, I was like, God must have fixed this real quick because I don't see a scratch on my car. And he starts laughing and, you know, he's like, man, my car is kind of noisy. I thought maybe you hit me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, man, I just, you know, I apologize, man. I just, you know, I know I cut over when I shouldn't have. I wasn't looking. I couldn't see it. He was in the blind spot. And it all turned out good. He's like, man, go enjoy them hamburgers, man. (laughs) And I was like. You know, this is really a true testament that cooler heads can prevail. You know, I was like, you really made my day just by this whole interaction. You know, this completely completed my day. And I'm like, it's only noon. And uh, 
And I looked at myself, and, and I remember sitting there eating them burgers, like <laughs> that. I was willing to admit that I had made a mistake yeah. right off the rip. It wasn't like "fuck you." Who the fuck are you? What? What's your fucking problem? Because that's I, what it would have been. It would have been. Yeah. But I've yeah. learned now. Like I knew I was in the wrong. I knew I was in the wrong when he was honking his horn and everything. I was like, man, I didn't see him. And for me to roll down the window, and I knew he was going to be yelling and screaming and shouting. And I did yell. I was like, man, I made a fucking mistake. Aggressively. That was you the know? same I reacted. And, but it all worked out, yeah. you know. And the awareness of these things and the practice of admitting when I'm wrong is another level of self-care. It's I have to practice these the things. largest levels of self-care. You know, I can admit today when I'm wrong. I can I can say, you know what? I made a mistake. You know, there was a time when I couldn't admit my ego could never admit that I made a mistake. You know, and it's okay. You all, you guys out there, you always know the bullshitter, the man that knows everything about everything, mm-hmm. even though sometimes mm-hmm. he doesn't know jack shit yep. about anything. Today, I can have a conversation and be like, man, I don't know nothing about that stuff. And there was a time where I would fake it, you know, where I would pretend that I knew. But now when people start talking to me about stuff I have no clue on, it's like, man, that's some interesting stuff. I I never, I don't know. And I, my ego can say these things today like, I don't know. I don't know nothing about that. I can have relationships and friendships today and people addressing maybe some character defects and say, man, I I've never seen that in myself before. I'm glad. I'm glad we're talking about this because me acknowledging the truth of myself and, you know, I ain't never going to be perfect. And I don't strive for perfection anymore. Because it doesn't exist. Right. And if I'm coming at a place of love and compassion, you know, it's all good. It's all good all the time. I need to learn. I had to learn this and I had to live it. I had to live my way into change. I couldn't just sit around thinking my way into change. Well, and that's a key thing too. It's a, it's a very key thing. It's not a concept. It's, it's an obstacle. And the obstacle is you only know what you know. You only know what you know. So, Sometimes I wonder, and I guess I don't wonder because there were ways that I acted in the past where I thought that maybe I was doing the right thing, right? Everything pointed to I was doing the right thing. In the space that I, that I inhabit now, I know that it wasn't. My, my, in, in Buddhism, in, you know, in refuge, we talk a lot about um, intent, intention. And intention, being intentional is another popularized term, right? It's almost outcome-oriented in the way that it's, that it's put out now in, in, in new, uh, new age thought, or not new thought, but new age, to where, so the other day, my son comes out of the bathroom. He's about to jump in the shower. And he says, there's a centipede in there. <laughs> okay, so there's a centipede. 
All right. So, so I, I stopped killing things. I won't kill things unless I feel threatened. Right. If there's something crawling in my bed, you're you're dead. You're gone, spider. But uh, but but not out of. I won't be malicious. I used to just stomp things out. Yeah, yeah. Not care. We're taught that, right? Centipedes are ugly as hell. A little bit scary in the way that they look, but they're harmless. So I go in there and I teach them not to kill things too. So he's not going to kill it, but he's not going to pick it up. I go in there with a cup to scoop this thing up and it doesn't move. It doesn't move at all. There's a lot of legs on this thing. So if it's alive, it's moving, right? As soon as you get near and they see a shadow, there's they scurry and they're gone. Yeah, yeah. So I knew there was a 50-50 chance I'm losing this thing regardless, but it's going to live. So it doesn't move. So I, and I, I'm shaking around it and I tap it. doesn't move. I grab the toilet paper, pick it up to throw it out. As soon as I picked it up, the legs start kicking and I had already squished it. Wasn't intentional. I'm not going to get bad karma for that, but I, I felt guilty. I'm thinking about it now. This is a week ago almost. And I felt horrible about the fact that I, and I knew that that was, that guilt was arising from someplace deep inside it. I knew it wasn't intentional. Sometimes in our best intentions, our perceived best intentions, I tell the story about uh, getting frustrated with my daughter giving up on her homework. I get way too frustrated, way too frustrated. And I can hide behind the guise of, I want what's best for her. That's what our parents did. I don't think they were hiding intentionally, but me, I know better now. So she's eight. She's got to learn. I'm supposed to be teaching her these things. Why? I'm attached to the idea that she should just know these things. Why would you give up? Well, she's eight. <laughs> she's eight. She, what do humans do? We look for the least path of resistance. Right. We're not running towards conflict. We're not running towards obstacles. We're just not conditioned that way. So I had to evaluate my dealings with her because I was really feeling bad about the way that I would have to walk out of the room just overly frustrated. And then I realized that really wasn't good intentioned, even though that's how I justified it. She's a mirror into me and my own procrastination. And I was extremely intelligent as a kid. I didn't have to work hard for good grades. I was able to just skim through. I was able to manipulate teachers. I, I mean, the way that I graduated high school is you'll, it'll be in the book, but it, like, and I don't want that for her. So really what was going on there is my fear that she's going to turn out like that. And my frustration got elevated to the point of it being unhealthy. She shouldn't have to see that. She's an eight-year-old kid. Yes, I need to let her know that we don't give up, right? So this is... And I know we want to keep life simple, right? We don't want to really delve into our actions and be that analytical. But I'm not interested in soulless pursuits anymore. So for me, when I when I start looking at I look at everything and I and I'm not gonna sit there and stew on it. If I don't have the answer, I don't have the answer, but I'm gonna take notice. And I think that's a level of self care that, you know, if if, if people evaluated themselves in very honest ways at, at that level. I don't even know that we'd be on this planet, right? What would be the point? But 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 being intentional in your self-care, we really got to be careful in that it doesn't come from an egoic place, that it's not a, a preconditioned, manufactured way of being that we've attached ourselves to. 
take, that's a hard one to recognize. It's so it's, but it's important. It's extremely important, and it, that's the mirror effect, right? So we only exist in the realm of phenomena in relationship to everything else, everything from the rocks to the trees to me to you to everybody in this room. We we exist in relation. Without that, there's nothing. There's there's nothing. There's just the spiritual realm. So we have to view everything as as a mirror. It's and I love that. I don't know if this is a new thought thing, but it's it's uh, it's spouted a lot. Is Things aren't happening to you. They're happening for you. Everything is happening for you. you know, I have to go to a neurologist. I've been having trouble with my motor skills. Don't know what the hell's going on. I notice it when I write. It's a crazy thing. There's a lesson in there for me. You know, I don't, I don't know what this means yet, and I'll figure it out. But the first thing I said when I, you know, I went to the doctor the other day and, and they told me that, I'm like, eh. You know, and, and I look up and I say, thank you. Because that's where I am now. I believe that's self-care. I'm not going to let that stress me out. I'm not, I'm, I, I refuse to live in so that state. It's part state of the of, journey. It's part of the journey. There's something there. It's, yeah. it's the mirror effect. And my daughter, there was something for me to learn there, more so than her in that moment, you know, because all she learned was dad can be an asshole. <laughs> you, you know, know we, I mean? were, we were talking about it this week, actually, a couple of my coworkers, clinicians and stuff I work with. That self-care and self-love is almost like an ethical responsibility to myself. To the world. To the world. To everything you relate to. But it begins with me. Absolutely. It's the only way you can be the light. Right. And I I need to reflect on myself and how I treat myself because it's going to be a reflection of how I treat others. You can't treat yourself. You really can't treat others any better than you treat yourself. And that's the truth. You can treat others materially better. Egoically, you can make that codependent effort to put everything there. That's not genuine. That ain't real love. That's not unconditional. That's from a place of insecurity, from a place of fear. You can only love others as much as you love yourself. We're not in a society that teaches us that. I mean, you said it perfectly. It's hard sometimes because, you know, when you talk about, you know, I saw this Facebook post uh, like a month ago, maybe girl posted it. She was like, stop telling people that, you know, you can't love others unless you love yourself or, or something to that effect, because some of us find it easier to love others than it is to love ourselves. So is that love? But sometimes... It's in the loving of others that others show us love that we learn how to love ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's these. there's a lot of quotes and stuff that people say that have been coined over time. You know, I was never really that great at loving myself. You know, I, I didn't, uh, you know, when I was in active alcoholism, I, I despised myself. I couldn't stand myself. And... You know, even to this day, like, well, how much do you love yourself? I appreciate myself and I appreciate my quest on the spiritual journey. And I have a love for life and I crave spiritual awakening. 
you know, and I try to make sure that I'm like an open channel, that the light and love and divine order flow through me. But to lock it down and like, how much do I love myself? And I treat myself the way that I want to be treated. But to define loving yourself, I think is simply on the individual. Loving everything is on the individual. So, so there was a time in my life where I could say that same thing, that it's way easier to love other people. Why? Because I didn't love myself. I, I had a problem with me. I didn't consciously have a problem with me, but subconsciously I was taught that I wasn't shit, right? So that 95% of, of my brain that kicks in when you go into, when you go into fear-based thinking, you're an autopilot, well, it had control. It, it had the reins. didn't allow for me to, even though at the time I know absolutely I believed I was loving people properly, but I wasn't. It wasn't unconditional. Everything was conditional. And that the hardest thing to do, really, is to love yourself unconditionally. So I can look back, and my father's an easy target, right? There was abuse there and whatever. It is what it is. Long before I was ever able to look at myself and forgive me, I was able to look at him and say, well, he was just doing the best he could with what he had. It's the truth. We talked about the blinders. He couldn't see beyond that, and he had it way worse than I did. So I was able to go there, but I think, and part of the reason we lack in self-care is we haven't truly forgiven ourselves for the things that we did in our past before we knew better, right? We still want to dwell on our shit. doesn't matter if we forgave dad or we forgave the ex-girlfriend or the ex-boyfriend or the ex-whatever or the business partner, like all these things you do in recovery, especially when you go through the inventory and you make amends and all that. But it it all has to come back to this center point here. And even going through that process and forgiving and making all these amends and doing these things, I still found it hard for me to come back to me and give myself the same grace, which how can you practice self-care, true self-care, not selflessness, not, uh, selflessness, not selfishness. How can you practice true self-care, self-fullness? How can you do that if you don't care about yourself deep down enough to do that? You can't. It's impossible. In the same way that an alcoholic or a drug addict or, or a gambleaholic, in the same way that they will seek instant gratification to ease their way through the anguish of not truly loving themselves, you'll seek codependent methods for doing that. And it's the same thing. It's, it's all relative. You know, it took me forever and I still have, it's not so hard now. There's times where, where I'll think about things in the past and I'll be like, ah, damn, I was an asshole. You know, I, I wish I wouldn't have said those things, but now I can say, well, I hope they learned, you know, or, or I hoped in that situation, somebody did what I was able to do with it. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's tough because you, you get remorseful, but if we truly believe what we believe, right, that everything happens to us or for us, not to us, then, well, then they have to grow. We can't be responsible for their growth. I would get stuck on that. And then I would start to beat myself up like, ah, you're an asshole. And then I, rather than feeling, I would, I, I would fall into toxic shame. I, I would fall into, well, I'm a piece of shit. 
not literally. I'm not saying that to myself, but that's what's in the back of my head going. There was no room to fix anything. Couldn't couldn't care for myself. I always felt guilty doing anything for myself. That's not natural. It's common, but it, it is very that, common. But it, it ain't it's, natural. It's, it's not natural, no. Because like then the worthiness comes into play. Right. You know, that I don't have the self worth. I'm not I'm not worthy of all this. You know, I forgot who said it, and I said it in I think a previous episode. My coworker Rob always he he always talks when we talk about love because it comes up a lot in our field. He said the best definition he heard of love was caring about someone else's spiritual journey more than my own. And I, it, it's it's kind of interesting to reflect on because it's like I have my God to worry about my spiritual journey. So that me trying to help you and increase your spiritual life and spiritual journey is an act of love. And that if you do that with everyone around you, I think that's really what it is all about. Is that I'm opening up the spiritual consciousness of love and compassion. But how do you do that? Me personally, I... Allow that's a generalized I, question, but because I, I, so, I, I have my answer, right? So, like, you know, I, I work in recovery and I work with you know addicts and alcoholics all the time, and uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't get sober on the first go around. You know, I made every single mistake known to mankind in early recovery. There might be a few you haven't <laughs> in, in later recovery. I have knocked down my sandcastle many times, I had six years relapsed, knocked out my entire sandcastle, had to file bankruptcy. You know, I made a lot of mistakes over relationships, friendships, spiritual bullshit that I bought into that, you know, I, I, I took someone else's beliefs and used them as my own only to fail miserably. And so... You know, three times a week, four times a week, you know, when we, you know, the group that I work in, I'm able to share my pain and share how the spiritual awakening comes by sometimes just by putting one foot in front of the other and sharing simple spiritual practices that will raise my spiritual consciousness so that the proof of spirit will it be proven even with an atheist how to align them with their higher self techniques methods i, I love I, I always you know the guys at the group love just hearing some of my failures because number one they're a little comical but the thing is like i made a lot of mistakes and the thing was is like when i was making them a lot of them it's like the tragic hero he means well. Mm -hmm. He has good heart and good intentions. There we go with intentions. But he just doesn't see it, the whole spectrum, and he ends up shooting himself in the foot. And I, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I want to go back to the sandcastle thing. I don't believe you knocked your sandcastle down. I, I, you know what I mean? 
we have to be real gentle with ourselves because this goes back to my point that how could I fault myself for acting in a way Yes, the actions were wrong and the results were wrong, and I'm I, I'm remorseful about that. But if I didn't know any better, or maybe I did know better, but I acted in a way there, there's something subconscious that's guiding me that I hadn't worked through yet. So I'll I'll share this story with you because uh, the guys at group always love this one. I'm like six years sober, and uh, I'm working in a weed crew, and. Uh, I was also working, you know, me and my mom had started this weed farm and, you know, I, I grew weed when I was in Colorado and, and, you know, it was big. Michigan had just become legal. I'm in recovery looking for, you know, making money and change of pace. And my mom was losing her house. So that's why we started this farm. First crop comes down and there was probably like maybe 35, 40 pounds that needed to be trimmed. Well, my mom and my stepdad are older, and I don't think they really knew what trimming weed and the amount of work that it takes to trim weed. Mm. And I'm like, man, I, I need some motherfucking trimmers up in this shit. And we were all secretive, no one in the house, this and that. So I'm trimming around the clock, and I thought to myself, man, some Vikes would really help me out right uh, now. You know? Hello. So make that phone call. I'm like, yo, I need, like, man, if you got, like, 60 that'd be great that's a that's a big order <laughs> go get me you know For the script bikes. of like it ends you know and i start munching these things like tic tacs and i'm like edward scissorhands over here because i i see fear i feel fear i got a ton of stuff that's got to be trimmed before it dries you know i i need you know the dispensaries are calling like when is it coming and boot. self-care out the window right everything out the window i'm popping probably like 10 to 12 bikes a day for like a week 10 days, get it all done. And second crop was coming out. So it was the same thing coming. Now, Vicodins are going to hit the same part of the brain as the alcohol does. Yep. Lo and behold, now, tell you the truth, I didn't even qualify this as a relapse at the time. I just thought like I was medicinally using Vicodins to get a job done. You prescribed them to you, yourself. Yeah, I prescribed it to myself. Okay. So my I'm co-signing my own bullshit in my mind. I'm completely fucking delusional. And after a while... That voice came in and was like, "Why don't you just go get a motherfucking bottle, bro? Let's like, do it. Let's let's like, quit. What what around. are you doing? Just go get a bottle, and boom, off to the races. Got a bottle of Jack, you know, and and that's how my thinking will get left untreated, left without self care, self love, prayer, and you know, back then, like, and I and I had deviated so." far away from the spiritual practices that I had become accustomed to. I, I, I let everything go You let aside. your self-care go. I let everything go yeah. aside for money. I needed to make that money. Fear. And it was all money-related, and I, was, I had big visions of, like, buying a home and doing different shit, and, you know, if I could just clear, you know, 150 grand, 200 grand in two years, I'd be great, and I'd Better. let it all go, and... You know, and I had this vision of bullshit in my mind and grandiosity. And, you know, and the thing is, you know, that relapse lasted nine months, you know. And what was crazy was is, like, I would still go to AA meetings and I would be reeking. And I remember going to them old timers and they would be asking me, like, what do you need? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I, 
there's nothing you can do for me. I was like, I have to wait for the moment of clarity. I don't have the moment of clarity. And they're like, dude, if there's anything you need, because, you know, I had, I, I you know, I, I'm a soldier of recovery, you know, I, and I had soldiered hard. I sponsored tons of dudes. I love sponsoring and I love recovery. And to see all these people in pain, these people that love me, feeling for me, like, dude, like, how can I help? And it's like, dude, there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. I just have to wait to this moment of clarity. I, I know when it'll come. Isn't that interesting, though, that you recognize their pain? Meanwhile, you're suffering. You're suffering in a way that could be fatal. You know, those those things can be fatal. Because they knew the same suffering. Right. You know? Right. And and I remember, you know, I remember, like, still going to meetings, and I remember, like, just putting time here and time there, and I really wasn't getting – I couldn't just – I couldn't click it back in. I just couldn't – I just couldn't get it to where I wanted. And I remember going to this doctor and I said, I don't know if I'm close or not, but I, I don't got no money for treatment. I don't have any health care. I was like, I, I, I need something so that when my time comes that I'm ready. And he gave me a script of phenobarbital and a script of neurotin was like, when you're ready, this is what you do. And I was like, okay. And those those two scripts sat in my cupboard for probably two months, and then that moment of clarity came. At least it came. Yeah. At least it came. I don't think that was knocking over a sandcastle. I think that was divine order. <laughs> Honestly. I think it's divine order now. Don't tell me that back then. You no, know, absolutely I would... <laughs> not. I'm a fuck up back then. It wasn't even fuck up. It just like. I just didn't see it coming. This that one blindsided me real good. Like I could see some relapses coming, but that one just blindsided me like completely. If you come out of those, those are the best ones. Yeah, those are the uh, still sucking air, man. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> those are the best ones. Oftentimes, the most traumatic, from my experience, you know, when that PTSD, I can feel it now. I'm trained enough now to where I feel that bubbling up. All right, I gotta, I gotta meditate or I got to get my ass to the gym or I got to sit down and write. I, I, I have to, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm at the office. It doesn't matter if I'm driving and I have an appointment and I'm not saying I do this all the time, but I know when it's crucial. And if it means I got to call and cancel that, that meeting, that, that meeting's done. You know what I mean? Unless it's something somebody's house burns down, and I have, yeah. you know. But if it can wait, as far as I'm concerned, now you might be pressing me. You might want this to happen now, now, now. But I'm going to exercise that self care that's going to keep me out of that space. And that self care may be I I just can't be there. I can't explain to you why I can't be there, and it's not my job to explain to you. That's the other thing we get caught in too when we exercise self care. We want to explain to people why we're caring for ourselves. You don't have to do that. You don't know an explanation. You don't owe anybody shit. If you've made a that's commitment, just guilt. That's what it is. You know, the guilt. I'm guilting going. myself into having to explain to you why I'm taking self care. Care of myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm, what? What? what I know, kind I know. Of fucked up cycle is that? Yeah. We have to justify it and find validation. We know. have to make an excuse. Yeah. Like we. I mean, it starts when we're kids. When we're kids, and our parents didn't know any better. I don't ride my kids in, in the same way that, that, you know, I was ridden when I was a kid. But even in school, 
you get, you know, can I go to the bathroom? I really have to go. No, you have to wait until next hour. Like, what the fuck is that? Let the kid go to the bathroom. Right, right. You know what I mean? The kid's just trying to go use the. Da- you Let can be learn discipline. You can be manipulating. We're going to teach him how to hold it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're gonna have, you're gonna have to hold that bladder, kid. I, I remember when my uh, my son was wet in his bed, and when he was real young, I remember asking the doctor, "Is this behavioral?" the fuck is it like he's intentionally pissing his bed yeah, right no he's got it. but i remember that's that's where my mind was i thought everything was against me yeah but you didn't understand that I, people piss their bed when they're turning three to four they're learning I, how to feel the and wake up and go to the bathroom that it's a whole process i i was clueless I was clueless, so I'm taking him to the doctor thinking I'm doing the best thing for him, asking stupid questions. I guess there are no stupid questions because I, I genuinely wanted to know. But I thought, my kid's fucked up. Yeah, well, <laughs> and he's pissing to piss me off. Right. He's, he's doing it on purpose. But I, it, it all goes back to self-care. It's all about me. And that's the thing. Yeah. Unless you're truly caring for yourself in a non-egoic way. Everything is about you. You're still an egocentric child. Everything is about you. I've learned I've learned now that it's not about me. You know. And and I think it's about us. I, I think there's something there's something about watching people spiritually grow. It's there's something thing. about people achieving their goals. Yeah. There that just completely excites me it 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 that does something to me that um it makes me warm on the inside i love seeing people in their element yeah you know my I just took Vinny. he uh he's been asking for a long time to get into brazilian jiu-jitsu and he could use it his focus is off and i don't know why it took me so long to finally take him i had all the excuses oh well i want it to be more spiritual not so goonish and blah 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 so finally, I just I did did the research I needed to, and I took him. And uh, there's another uh, instantly, instantly the kid was in his element. Instant, I've never seen him focus like that. We go we go home later. I got a meditation room in my basement, and he's like, "Dad, I want to show you what I learned." First day, I want to show you what I learned. And uh, he he goes to single leg me, and I'm not thinking. I I don't have to form a stance. Is it? You know, he's a 10-year-old kid. He ain't ta- took me down. He rolled my chest with his head. I was like, get the fuck out. I was like, kid, come here, you little sh-. But, it, <laughs> like, so when you, like, and it's not not even my kid. Like, I, I like watching Muhammad Ali and people, when people, anybody, except when they step outside of the, the bullshit that we're conditioned to believe is yeah. the truth, when you see people do that and they, they rise against the odds, for me, too, like, I don't care who it is, and I love it when it's me too. That's that's what it's about. Those peak experiences, because really, that's all life is. It's it's these moments, right? Some we remember, some we don't. But it's a chain of moments. I don't know that there's an end game to this. I really don't. I, we can self care ourselves to, to death, literally, but then there's probably something after that that we have no clue what that is. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful, beautiful experience. And I talk about non-attachment, and it gets me into some debates because it, it can be misconstrued as a negative term, non-attachment. Oh, I'm detaching from this. 
And I get that. That's not what it means. And I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, well, really, therapist, I said, really, what non-attached, could, she didn't understand it from a Buddhist perspective. I said, really, what that is, it's the embracing of impermanence. That's all it is. And that feels when you embrace something, there's there's a different feel to that. So all I'm really doing is embracing the impermanent nature of life, of myself. Of change. Because that's the only absolute truth on the in the physical realm is that things will change consistently. It's never going to stop changing until until we fizzle out. And then when we do fizzle out, we're going to change the subatomic particles or souls or whatever it is that we move on to be or reincarnation, change, change, change. So when you start to embrace that as the absolute truth, I think that's very romantic. You know what right. I mean? Like that's a, that's a very romantic idea. Non-attachment, it's – not attached appreciation. Not attached appreciation. This we can bring that back to self care too. Yeah, we put too much. We 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 attach too much to our uh, subconscious programming, and and it leads us astray. Are we are we getting the finger? Are we just about? Is that our time? Okay, so we're gonna wrap it up. Um, there's an um. I'm all full of ums today, and I know I'm gonna get some criticism on that. You got anything to say in closing? Yeah, that you uh, make sure that you spend the time with the loved ones and in the presence of love as much as you possibly can, for that is the true self-care, self-love energy. In this chaotic societal world, you know, I need to make sure that I'm surrounded by those that are of like mind and like heart and um, all, all praise to the divine light. And on that note, I'll, I'll just say the same, be, be the light. And the only way you can be the light is to stop the blockage within you. The only way you can stop the blockage is to truly love yourself. That's where all the energy flows through. doesn't get stuck. Human, human condition. We will see you in two weeks. Thank you for everybody who tuned in.